how do you know how many kids here? And I'm like, we, we ask them. <laughs> <laughs> There's not some magical data out there. They're like, but the, how do you know it's, if you at, if it's self-reported, how do you know it's true? Yeah. It's like, well, but you know, like we, the, we, we have to trust. <laughs> what you reminded me of, and I don't even know how it connects to, is that the kids t are also aware of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like we also tell them, this is what we're, this is what we're hoping to accomplish. Like it's, we want you all to have all these doors of opportunity open, and this is what we're doing. So you need to tell us what we can do also and improve on. This is High Tech High Unboxed. I'm Alec Patton, and those were the voices of Allison Murray, a social sciences teacher at International Studies Learning Center in Southgate, California, and Antonia Guzman, who teaches English language arts at the same school. In this episode, Allison and Antonia are interviewed by Garrett Brownlee Plants, an improvement coach at the Center for Research in Equity and Innovation at the High Tech High Graduate School of Education. Garrett wanted to interview them to find out how their school achieved its extraordinary 100% FAFSA completion rate. FAFSA stands for the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. Students need to submit it to qualify for federal financial aid, but it's also a requirement for most state-level and even school-specific scholarships. So for a lot of students, it can make the difference between being able to afford college and not. That means a 100% FAFSA completion rate is a big deal. I'll leave you with Garrett, Antonia, and Allison to find out how they did it. Hello, Antonia. Hello, Allison. I am so excited to talk with you today, not only because I get to work with you through our college access network um, called CARPE, but because of the amazing results you all have been able to get from International Studies Learning Center, which is in LA Unified. So <clears throat> just to like share with people who maybe don't know you by name, y'all have been on the leadership board in California for the last three years getting 100% of your students to fill out financial aid forms. Yay. Yay. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> which is an enormous feat. And you've been a part of our improvement network. And so we just really want to understand what you've learned about that. But first, before we get into that, would you mind sharing who you are and a couple, some, a couple identity markers that have helped inform your work? Uh, my name's Allison Murray, and I am a teacher at International Studies Learning Center in Southgate, California. I teach history and AVID. Uh, and I think being a part of AVID is where I sparked this interest in college going culture. Um, and then we got invited to join the network and here we are. Well, I'm Antonia Guzman and I'm also at International Studies Learning Center. Um, I teach English 12th grade at the AP classes, both English Lit and English Language. And um, the reason for my work or the reason why I feel like I do what I do is um, I am uh, a child of immigrants. Um, my first, first language is Spanish. And in my students, I see a lot of like the qualities and the struggles that I went through when I was going to school. I actually teach in the same area that I grew up. Mm -hmm. um, I purposely did that. I, I felt like I needed to come back because along the way, I felt I had a few teachers that really believed and supported uh, my journey to getting to college, being that I was the first in my family to do so, like taking on that journey. Like I had the support of my parents, but they didn't know how exactly to support me. And I was, I think, very lucky that I found some 
teachers at school that did provide me with that. And I felt that I could, I had to do the same. Like I had a responsibility for my community to come back and do the same for kids who, again, have parents that want them to succeed. But then how do you do this? How do you navigate this very confusing college journey when you don't have any experience doing so? I'm curious if we could bring a student into this conversation and if you can share maybe a student at ISLC, which is um, what International Studies Learning Center we call it for short, um, who's really been positively impacted by the college access work you've been doing. Can you think of something that's coming to mind or someone? We've been talking about Erin. Erin is a 12th grader who at the beginning of this year, uh, we knew he was four-year eligible. Right? He meant all his A through Gs. But he said he did not want to apply to a four-year. His sister was going to a two-year, and that was his path. Um, and then we convinced him. We coaxed him into, well, let's just fill out the Cal State app. Like, what do you got to lose? Like, we just want you to have choices. Right? So you can, we'll fill it out. You have the fee waiver. And we'll just see what happens. And so he was accepted. He's going to Dominguez Hills, and we are thrilled for him. He mentioned in uh, the senior survey how he's happy he took on that. He made that decision um, because I think he was just pretty set that he was going to go to a two-year. And so it was just amazing to see that he realizes, too, um, how his, he has true potential. Like, he, has, he, can, he can do it. He just needed that extra push. Like it goes with what we've been talking about and sharing with the seniors is having choices, having doors open, right? And that in the spring, they want to have choices and places they can go and things they can do. And when they don't apply and they already make that decision, they're limiting themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hard to plant that seed ahead of time. And so I really appreciate you bringing Aaron into this conversation and just the ability that you have had to individualize this work for each young person and understanding what choices they might need to hear and when they need to hear it. I know um, y'all have been a part of the Carpe Improvement community here for a while. And um, for those of you who don't know, uh, CARPE is just a shorthand way of saying schools who are focused on increasing access and completion of college for black, Latinx, indigenous, and low-income students in Southern California using continuous improvement. And I know y'all have been doing this and are leaders, really, in our network in doing so. But how has being a part of this network shifted your thinking? And what do you do differently as being a part of this work? I think originally when I started... Um teaching at the high school, I felt like I was doing this work on my own. Like I knew that counselors were meeting with students, but I didn't know the extent to what conversations were happening in those offices. And at times, I think not knowing, I felt like, wow, I'm the only one that's like in, like pushing them to go to school or it's, it's up to me to go ahead and put something together. And it just was very overwhelming work because there's not so much to do. Um, so being part of the network not only brought important people on our campus to come together and work together collaboratively and something that we're all passionate about and making sure that our students have all resources available to them. But it also brought us together with other like-minded people where we, we've gone ahead and shared and learned so much that we've taken back to our school. Like a lot of the things that we do, it's like the seed is planted here and then we go and execute them at school. And it's because of the time and the people that we get to collaborate with here, not just the people at our school, but just like 
everybody from all the schools that are part of the carpet network. So like I think one of the, um, you know, part of uh, our, some of our, um, our spreadsheet where we keep uh, all our data, you know, it's, it, it has evolved over the years and it's like the way it is because of the conversations that we had with people here at, at Carpe. It's our little baby. <laughs> I was thinking when you asked the question about um, what's shifted my thinking is like anyone on a school campus can do this work. It's not just the counselors. You don't need mm -hmm. some specialized training, right? Like I thought maybe I wasn't qualified to help them do this work. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've learned is that you just have to get your hands dirty and like fill the application out with them, yeah. fill out the FAFSA with the kids and you learn as yeah. you go along and they just need, the kids need an adult that's going to hold their hand through it. Right. And that believes in them. It's going to help them find the answers. It's a scary process. It is. And I think uh, sometimes teachers or adults feel like, ooh, mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this either, and they stay away. Right, mm -hmm. exactly. Even though, like, we're probably, even we have, even though we haven't done it in a while, we know how to navigate those kind of systems, right? So we can be of great help even if we haven't done it in a while. So how do you then um, go back and not only the people that are part of your, you know, the, the, the group itself, but how do you go in and help your teachers and other staff members kind of grow that mindset like we're all here to help the kids get to that goal and it's not just up to us four or five people it should be that we're all uh, taking part in, in this journey and helping our students and we all could do it don't be scared <laughs> well I think that's like the whole idea of carpe right like it's it takes a team to do the work it can't just be a couple people mm -hmm. on campus like there has to be a team mm -hmm. um yeah, y'all have seemed to embody what we call maybe team excellence, but really what you're talking about is seeing the system of support for young people and utilizing every lever that you have. And certainly that's not easy when people don't think that that's the lane that they're supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, how have you been able to cultivate or what conditions have you tried to lay to make that team work and understand their roles? And if you've had struggles, how have you gotten through them? I think the ver this year, or in last year, I think one of the uh, greatest help in developing our team has been that we're meeting weekly. Like, you cannot develop a team if you're not meeting consistently, right? And I think that's helped tremendously. Like, we make it a priority that we meet um, every Wednesday and that we meet during the school day. That's big, too, because we have so many other things that we're involved in. And so we have to make the time, just like we make the time for the kids to fill out their applications on during the school day. It's like, how can we find um, the time to meet during the school day? Um, and, and then create the matrix mm -hmm. where Antonia and I have the same conference period so that we can have that meeting every Wednesday. Um, and I think with the team roles, we were just, we were talking about um, that we all, we have clear roles, but we are all like equal members of the team. Mm -hmm. There isn't like this feeling like that there's one person who's really in charge and that some of us can kind of mm -hmm. kick back or like, oh, that person will handle it. I, you know, I feel like this year we've really gotten to a place mm -hmm. where 
every member of the team contributes equally. And I think we understand our strengths too. Like I know when we're doing something, we're like, wait, so you know, like uh, if um, we're going to put a presentation together, it's like, oh, you know, we know that. Antonia, don't you have something that you've already done regarding that? Oh, yes, I do. Or, oh, Pilar is really good at speaking to, you know, this student or that student. And so she will be in charge of that. And so I think we, we're, we've gotten to know each other's strengths that we can use those to our advantage. And when we're planning, it just becomes more efficient because we, we understand each other's strengths as well. And we're, I think, pretty open to and feel comfortable with one another. And I think we also feel comfortable being vulnerable, which is a big deal, I think, when it comes to working with other people that, hey, I, I don't know how to do that. And ooh, right. if somebody can help me do it or if somebody else wants to take it because I'm not sure how to do it. I think that's important as well. Yeah, I think none of that happens by accident. And so I'm curious about some of those systems that you've been able to put in place that have really reinforced this trust building, this vulnerability, and really this um, tenacity towards getting every single student access to choice. And so what are you seeing as you look back over your time the last few years around what are some of the highest leverage systems work that you've been able to implement and sustain, and how did you do it? I would start with our tracker. So we have a Google Sheet with all the seniors, um, and we track the data. So originally when we joined the network, because we're a part of this massive school district, LA Unified, there was no data sharing agreement. And so we had to track our own data. So while the other network schools, like, there were data people here at Carpe that were tracking and collecting the data and sharing the data. We had to do all the work ourselves. So it's, you know, it's just a messy spreadsheet where we have all the seniors and we start at the beginning of the year by saying, okay, who is eligible for a four-year, right? And we start sorting the kids. We print out their transcripts. We color code them. We flag them. And then every week it's going back to the tracker, and looking at what's going on with this kid, who's going to talk to him, or I've already talked to mm -hmm. that child so many times, somebody else yep. needs to approach mm -hmm. him. Yep. yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, I mean, that's key. Every meeting, every meeting, we look at that tracker. Every meeting. And, and every so often, we start a new tab. Somebody start a new tab. <laughs> um, like when we're going to, you know, track, like, the conversations that we've had, like, uh, with mm -hmm. our... Um, when we were looking at uh, decision day, right, mm -hmm. and uh, making sure that all students had been talked to and that we had made sure that every student had made a decision before May 1st. So in case there were any issues, concerns, we can address them. So that was part of uh, our conversation, and the tracker was big. That's where we kept all our notes to see who had talked to who and, um, and, and if who was somebody else. The yeah, who yep. got into a four-year uh, but we don't know what their decision right. is or they're not. Like who is, and right. they didn't come to the community college application right. fest we had. Like, And so now we, we started missing? one for community college too. So make sure that we talk to them before the end of the, of the year, make sure that they've uh, completed their application and they're in the process of either going to orientation or signing up for classes already. So that's big. It's, it's our key. So how do you get... Because y'all have about, what, 
How many people are on your Carpe team? It's five. And so how do you get five people to not just see a tool, but actually use it? So they have a conversation with the student, and then they actually go and do something and track it. How do you actually get that follow through? I think that's a really hard piece in a school day to follow through on. I, I think it took, it took time. It mm-hmm. took time for us all to have ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that our counselors on the team, they have the district that has you know demands on them and expects them to put things in the district database system. So they saw the tracker as like double work, right? Like why am I, and they were doing a lot of paper and pen where we're like, we need it to go into the tracker. So how do we like merge all of these things? So it didn't happen immediately. Right. No, it didn't. At all. It didn't. Shift happened, I think, when they realized we're helping them get to all the students. It's hard for them to get to all the students. And so I think part of it was like, wait, but I'm, I'm tracking this information here, but I can't help if I don't know what's going on. Mm. And so I think when they realized like, oh, we're actually all working together. We're all trying to get to the same thing. We all have the same goal. And, and part of it is like also constantly remem- reminding one another that this is a common goal, not just as a group, but as a school, right? And so I think that is key because I think even right now, I think our work has been around too, like sh- like making sure that it doesn't just become work that our CARPE team is doing, but how do we include now our the rest of our staff in sharing the work? I think that's the move where we're, that's where we're moving now, I think. And I think in the early years of the network, like the, the data tracker was sort of like owned by our data lead, right? And so we didn't touch it because we didn't want to mess with any of the rows or the columns. Yeah. And now like it doesn't work when it's just one person. Yeah. It has to, we all have to okay, yeah. get our hands in we there. We all and have access and we all can go ahead and add to it and yeah. And then when we mess it up, we say, I messed up. How do we fix it? <laughs> but we open it during yes. the meeting. Everybody, we wait till everybody has it open. Yeah. We're like, okay, everybody open this meeting. Okay, do we have what to? What tab are you on? Yeah. I'm on this tab. Yeah. I'm on the college decision tab. Did everybody add everything they needed to add? Okay. Oh, I didn't. I met with someone, so I didn't add it. Okay, add it right now. Okay, add it right now. So it's just making it like a very live document. Mm-hmm. It's present at every meeting and it guides every meeting. Um, I think that's been key. These kind of foundational tools, practices, processes, sometimes we call them protocols, Mm -hmm. ways that we can structure Mm -hmm. some, not just adult learning, but facilitate meetings Mm -hmm. so that that, those things can actually happen, Mm -hmm. I think is a big part of the continuous improvement process Mm -hmm. in terms of identifying the system, what's not working in the system, Mm -hmm. and how do we actually Mm -hmm. improve it that there makes actual more students have equitable outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so as a learning team, how have you been able to utilize this idea of improvement within those structures? Well, it, does, it goes back to, I think, uh, being like reflective and being um, vulnerable. Like we talk, like we make sure now that we look at our data after, especially like let's say um, we just had a um, an app fest, right? And we asked the kids to complete a survey. So I think in the past, it was, uh, we knew we needed to do a survey 
just because everybody does a survey. And then it kind of what happened to the survey? Like, we just <laughs> leave it behind and, and forget about it, and you go on with your day, your week, your month, and that was it, right? And so I think now we look at the survey, and, and I think our meetings have made it so we do have the time and we have the practice where we're looking at the data and we're looking at, okay, so what are they saying? We think we did like we did an amazing job at doing this, that, and the other, but then maybe the students didn't feel the same way, or maybe they did, right? Like what works and what doesn't. It's not until we look at those surveys, and I think we've done a really good job, especially this year, at really making that tool part of the process and the, uh, and reflecting and thinking back of, okay, so let's revisit that idea. Did it work? Did it not? Scratch it off. No, let's add this other thing based on not only what we're experiencing and seeing, but also then who we're trying to impact, which is the kids, right? And so their voice and, the, you know, these these systems have become part of the, the whole process. So now we, like, um, you know, we just had... Uh, um, the senior survey, right? And we're looking at that data and we're looking at their ideas, like what worked and what didn't, what, what, what ideas they have for us on improving for next year. And so, you know, we already are coming up with ideas for next year. So I think that that is what the, 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 the whole uh, continuous improvement does for us. It allows us to really look at and reflect on what's working and what's not and then work from there. I think, like, what information do we have and what information do we need, mm -hmm. right? Like, being very clear mm -hmm. on what we're collecting. Mm -hmm. You know, when you said, like, the survey, just, like, even looking at some of the College Pathway surveys, we're like, what do we really need to know mm -hmm. out of the gate at the beginning, mm -hmm. like, first day of school, yeah. right? And what information do we not? So why are we collecting things from the kids yeah. and making them fill things out? when we're not looking mm -hmm. at that data, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. what information, and just doing the senior exit survey, there was a question about, you know, first gen. And we're like, we've never even tracked that. Like, why are we we're not we're not asking mm -hmm. that question we in August? We yeah. know it, yes, we make assumptions, but yeah. we don't have like numbers. Yeah. We can't say we have 108 seniors and we know that only eight of them have, have a parent that went to college. Then the other question is like living on campus. Like we didn't ask that in the exit in the survey, and and we don't know, <laughs> right? So I told her, so, so I had to do like this informal survey, like who's living on campus, because then they have a different need altogether. Yes. So, so yeah, we're constantly like, like writing down, like, like okay, remember this. Okay. We have to ask yeah. who, when we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And that too, like keeping really good notes on everything that we have a continuous like agenda, like agenda where we use the same agenda for every meeting. So we just add the new one. And then one, while we're at the meeting, we just either Alison and myself are taking notes on what we're discussing. So that way we come back like, what did we say last week? Wait a second. And we go back to those notes, refer to them often. Because we might come up with these great ideas, but if we don't write them down. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we need our own trackers. <laughs> I hear you. How do you know how many kids here? And I'm like, we, we ask them. <laughs> <laughs> There's not some magical data out there. They're like, but the, how do you know it's, if you at if it's self-reported, how do you know it's true? Yeah. It's like, well, 
But you know, like we have, the to, other we, we have to trust. <laughs> what you reminded me of, and I don't even know how it connects to, is that the kids t- are also aware of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like we also tell them, this is what we're this is what we're hoping to accomplish. Like it's we want you all to have all these doors of opportunity open, and this is what we're doing. So you need to tell us what we can do also and improve on. And one of the things that we saw on the survey this year, more than any other year, the year, is them thanking Carpe. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, thank you, Carpe, or our, our school's doing great, Carpe's doing this, that. And that's language that I didn't see before. Yeah, so it's taken a while, you know, to get to where we're at now. But the kids now are aware that Carpe, that we're part of Carpe, right? And they know what it is. So we're happy about that. Yeah, I'm happy about about, um, the special things that are happening at ISLC, the light that is shining there, and the real authentic partnership, the attunement you have with the young people in your classrooms and your building, and the way you just genuinely love and care for them and each other is really like, that's the thing you want to bottle up. Trackers and routines <laughs> and data, those are all exceptional practices. And they only work on the foundation of that kind of love and care. And so I want to just thank you for the work that you do and how you do it and how you show up for each other. And I also want to give you the last word. Like, if there's anything you think, if you're wanting to inspire, people new or on their journey or things that you know now, what's a piece of advice you would share? I mean, I think you just have to jump into the work and you don't have to pretend that you are some type mm-hmm. of expert. Like every year when we sit down to the college application or the FAFSA, mm-hmm. you know, some there's a voice in my head that says, oh, I don't know how to fill out the FAFSA. I can't do this. I can't help them. And then I calm myself down and I read the directions <laughs> each step at a time with the child. And that's really what they need is like a literate adult who is going to read through these government forms and, you know, be there for them. So it's like anybody can do this work. Um, you just got to jump in. I wasn't say that to take the risk, like just go for it. But the other thing is that we have to remember too that we're working with students and that they are still kids. They're, they are waiting for our guidance and help and they're navigating a system that's so complicated. So we have to also remember that because I think, you know, sometimes I hear people saying, well, if they really want to go to college, then they'll find the time to seek for the help or, you know, or show up after school and go to these workshops or go online and do this, that, and the other. But I don't know what's going on at home. And I don't know what, and sometimes I think because they're fearful, like, they're, they're, you know, kids do this all the time, they'll avoid it as much as they can because they don't know it. You know, I'm thinking right now with their portal, sometimes they see, they see something in their portal and they don't recognize what it is, so they'll ignore it. And I'm like, it's not going to go away if you ignore it. <laughs> Your acceptance might, <laughs> you know. It's like, ah, pay attention to it. But that's their kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to remember to, to have that open mind and make the space, the open and safe space at school so they can go ahead and explore that with us, with guidance and care. And regardless of what, like, what background the child 
comes from, whether they've been doing a great job at keeping up with their A through Gs or not, that you're offering that same opportunity and help to every child, to everyone, to everyone. And then you don't know what kind of impact you're going to have or what kind of change you're going to make if you don't just, you know, take the hand of that child that needs it. So that's what I would say. Make the time at school to give them that help they need. Yeah. In the, within school the instructional day, day that school was a huge day. aha yeah. our first year. It was like, wait, we could pull them out of their classes and pull them all into the multi-purpose room and have them fill out their application? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, we couldn't get our head around that. We're like, we're, I know, are we allowed to yeah. do that? And so. for that too, like... The, your staff needs to understand. So yeah. you, you need to make them part of the entire process. And if they're not going to help go ahead and hold the child's hand through the process, then they need to step to the side and let you do it. Get out of the way. Step Get to the side, the let me do it. Let me do it. But for that, I think for to create that culture, you need to also make them part of the celebration. Like mm-hmm. we did this because all of you, whether you like – one-on-one sat with a child or encouraged a child to do something or whether you just allowed me to pull them out of your class, you had some part in the success. So I think that's a big step that we need to just include all our staff in the success that we have um, to continue that work. Thank you both for including us in your success and your Thank story you and for your time. Thank, sure you. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hatakai Unbox is hosted by me, Alec Patton. This episode was edited by Brent Spurnack. Our theme music is by Brother Herschel. Huge thanks to Allison Murray, Antonio Guzman, and Garrett Brownlee-Plants for this conversation. You can find links to lots more stuff about college access and continuous improvement in our show notes. Thanks for listening.